We're going to be studying from John chapter 14, 1 through 6, a perennial favorite, a passage that has comforted many people. It's comforted me. But before we get into that, I want to tell you something about me. I like to have things my way. That's right. I like things to be my way. And I know I'm not the only one in this room that's like that. I like to drive the car. I like to choose where I go to eat. I like to pick out my own clothes. I like things my way. And of course, if you know anything about American culture, you know that everything is geared so you can have your way. All you got to do is go to the store. All you got to do is go to Burger King. All you got to do is pick up that new phone. You can have it your way, can't you? Of course, I am a twin. And I learned very quickly in life, I can't have it my way. Because not only being a twin do you have a room mate. No, you have a womb mate. And so you learn very quickly in life is that you're not always going to get what you want. You're not always going to get it your way. But I still like to have it my way. But sometimes I found out, find out very quickly and naturally that my way isn't the way. In fact, I found out when I was putting together a crib for my daughter. Has anyone ever put together a crib? It is very, very difficult to put a crib together. And I think as they... Uh, as technological advances go, they're going to get even more difficult and complex as years come. But they're difficult to put together. And here's why I do things. Here's how I put things together. And I get a little anxiety about Christmas because I also know that I'm going to have to put together some toys too. But how I put together things is, is that I launch into the project. I launch into it. And I get about halfway into the project of putting things together, and then I have to ask my wife a question. Where are the directions? Where are the directions? And I find out my way isn't the way that's written down in the directions. And so I have to retroactively go back and begin to engineer this thing again. Because my way isn't the way, and that's hard for us, isn't it? Because we like intuition. Because intuition is easy. Because intuition is about my feelings, and my feelings have got to be right. But it's not always right, is it? Remember back in the day, before we had GPS, it's very convenient. I remember being on vacation with my parents. Mom had the map. Dad was driving. And we'd get lost. 
mom would be a little annoyed and dad would be a little annoyed. And then it came to the point to where we didn't have to look at the map anymore. We had to stop the car and get out and ask somebody where we were going. Remember those days, kids? You won't know that world. But that's when humility comes to the man, right? It's because he has to get out of the car and take that long walk of shame into the gas station and ask some gas station attendant who might know where they are and they might not, do you know where I'm going? I think there's a story about Billy Graham to where he asked a little kid where the directions of a hotel was. And then he says, hey, do you want to learn about Jesus and how to go to heaven? And the little boy's like, well, if you don't even know how to get to the hotel, how am I going to take your word for it on how to get to heaven? We like it our way, don't we? We like our gut instinct. We like our intuition. But the problem is that I've found in my own life, and I can only speak for myself, is that I can be very wrong. In in fact, the great apostle Paul stood before people and he said, I have lived in good conscience up until this day. That Paul lived according to his conscience. But if you look over the course of Paul's life, you find out very quickly that his conscience was wrong. You see, the conscience is this sensibility that we have been given by God to know that there is a wrong and a right, but it has to be informed by the truth. And if it's not informed by the truth, then I can be consciously, intensely wrong. I think Dr. King said, there's nothing more dangerous than someone being conscientiously stupid. Because what they do is, is they have all this zeal for being wrong. But they think they're right. I think I'm right. Proverbs said it like this, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are death. Jeremiah said it like this, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. The Bible tells us over and over again that I need a point of reference outside of myself. I need it. I need a guide. I need direction. Well, I don't like that idea because I want everybody to be right. And we live in a pluralistic society. What does that mean? That means that everybody gets to believe what they want to believe. They get to practice what they want to practice. That's what human freedom is all about. But just because you have the right doesn't make you right. You've got the right. I've got to write the right to believe a lie if I want to. But is that what you want to base your life around? Abraham Lincoln said it like this. Half the people can be part right all the time. 
Some of the people can be all right part of the time. But all of the people can't be all right all of the time. When you survey all of the different perspectives and ideas and religions and philosophies and thoughts and teachings and ideas, they can't all be right, can they? Because the affirmation of a truth is the negation of another. You see, when I say that my name is Laws Rushing, that means that I am not you. When you have a sense of identity, when you proclaim and assert a truth, you by definition are negating the opposite. So not all people can be all right all of the time. We can't all be right. We need direction. And Jesus gives that direction in John chapter 14. He says, let not your heart be troubled because we get troubled, don't we? And this is the night of Jesus' betrayal. The next day Jesus is going to be crucified and Jesus is telling His disciples, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What a beautiful picture. That Christ is preparing an eternal dwelling for each of us. That He wants you to be where He is. And He gives us this picture And the Bible says of heaven and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And Jesus says, don't be troubled that this is a part of the plan for me to save you, to give you an eternal abode with me. But there comes a question. And it comes from Thomas. And Thomas in verse 5 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? What do we know Thomas for? Thomas kind of gets a bad rap in our preaching, doesn't he? Because a lot of times when we talk about Thomas, we concentrate on his doubt. Remember doubting Thomas? Certainly I wouldn't have doubted, would you? What's interesting about the book of John is that Thomas speaks three times in the book of John. First, in John chapter 11, where Jesus declares that He is going to go into Judea, and Thomas knows with the other apostles that there is a great deal of threatening forces in Judea that want to crucify Jesus. And so Thomas, when he hears that Jesus wants to go to Judea, that he wants to go to Jerusalem, he says, let us go that we may die with him. So Thomas, known for his doubt in John chapter 11, exemplifies great courage, doesn't he? Let us go with him so that we may die, Thomas said. 
And of course, when he sees the handprints and the nail prints of Jesus, he gives a confession and he says to Jesus, My Lord and my God. But here Thomas asks a question How do we know the way? Where are you going, Jesus? And Jesus says very simply, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a very short passage, isn't it? But within that simple passage, you have a profound statement of how to get to heaven. Of who Jesus is. And it begins first of all with Jesus' identity. Because identity is important. It's vital. It's imperative. Who is Jesus? Is the first question. Because identity matters. I remember when I had surgery earlier this year. I was at Vanderbilt. And they kept asking me a question. What's your name? And what's your date of birth? And what are you here for? You know how many times I was asked that same question? Over and over and over again. Why? Because they did not want me to leave surgery coming out missing a spleen that I needed and that wasn't in bad shape. Because a lot of times what has happened in hospitals is that some people go into surgery and because they mix up the identity of the patient, the patient ends up getting a surgery that they didn't need in the first place. Oh, you mean you were here for an open heart surgery? Sorry. We took out your tonsils. Identity matters, doesn't it? Or the case, many times at the hospital that I work at, people see me come into the room and they say, hey, are you the doctor? Well, I am a doctor, but not the doctor. There's a big difference between a doctor and the doctor, isn't there? Because identity matters, doesn't it? And who Jesus is matters. And He begins by saying, I am You can stop right there because Jesus is saying something very profound. He's saying, I am. And so he's not only saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is identifying himself synonymously with Yahweh of the Old Testament. He is saying, I am. And he says that some seven times in the Gospel of John. That I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And the most startling one is in John chapter 8 where he says, Before Abraham was, I am. Because Jesus begins to teach in a way that's so authoritative that He makes Him out to be even greater than Abraham. And the people say, how can you be greater than Abraham? He says, well, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, well, you're not even 50 years old. How can you know Abraham? Abraham was 
2,000 years before Jesus. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is saying, I existed when Abraham lived. And we can't forget what God told Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Whom shall I say is sending me? I am that I am. Jesus is saying, I'm much more than a prophet. I'm much more than the prophet Abraham. No, it is the confession of Thomas, my Lord and my God. But he also says, not only I am, he says, I am the way. And the connotation of the way is is a road or a path. And in fact, Christians of the first century were even called the way. It says over and over again in the book of Acts, Acts chapter eleven twenty six, that those of the way were called Christians. Acts 9, 2, those who were of the way. And Felix demanded of Paul that he show him an accurate knowledge of the way. Jesus is that way. He is that path. He is that road. And that's why Jesus over and over again in His ministry said what? Follow me. Jesus' teaching is the way. And His teaching is miraculous. The beautiful thing about Jesus' teaching is that it can convict you even when it's talking about something different. I remember there was a time when I was selling real estate that I had the opportunity to get a big listing. It's a million dollars. If I do math in my head, that's a $30,000 paycheck. It's nice. But it came with this. Oh, you're going to have to give me an illegal kickback. If you're going to get this listing, Mr. Rushing, you can have the listing, but you're going to have to give me a kickback that's illegal. I was just reading Sermon on the Mount. Hey, it's business. You don't have to worry about rules and business. As long as you can get away with it, you can get that. I was reading the Sermon on the Mount and it occurred to me when I wasn't even reading about being honest, per se, I was just reading the words of Jesus and then it convicted me. He said, you know what, laws? you got to say no to that. That's how powerful the teachings of Jesus is, is that if you confront the teachings of Jesus, that it will convict you even of things that you're not even reading about. That's how powerful His teaching is. Not only His teaching, but His example. How did Jesus live His life? And there is no separation from His teaching from His life. His life and His teaching are hand in hand. He lived it. That's why it says that He gave us an example that we should follow in His steps. 1 Peter 2, 21. He is the way. His teachings are the way. His life is the way. He said He is the way and the truth. 
Boy, that's a funny word today, isn't it? The truth. You know what? Do we place a great deal of emphasis on the truth anymore? Seeing article after article and discussion after discussion about how that on our social media, Facebook, that they will advertise political ads that they know are false. Because you're allowed to lie in a political ad on Facebook. Does the truth matter? Not according to some people. As long as you can pay for it, you can say whatever you want. You can smear and you can say all kinds of hateful things and you can say things that aren't true. That's, that's the Facebook policy. You see, there is a difference between what the world emphasizes and what Jesus em- emphasizes, isn't there? Remember when Jesus came to the worldly leader, Pilate, He said something very interesting. He says, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. If you love the truth, you listen to Jesus, he's saying. And what was Pilate's response, the politician? What's truth? And you know what? I don't think Pilate was that ignorant of what the truth was. Do you? I think Pilate knew what the truth is about things. He knew what the concept of truth is and was. Because truth is something that corresponds with reality. That's what the truth is. He understood that. But his point he's making to Jesus is is that the truth does not matter. It doesn't matter in this world. All that matters is the perspective of those people out there who want to crucify you, Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you teach. The truth has no value other than what people think. The truth. You see, this world is built on lies. Lies about who we are to be. Jesus says, You are of your Father, the Father of lies in John chapter 8, 44. The world is built, and so they're not concerned about the truth. But Jesus says, If you are of my flock, you hear my voice. I come to bear witness of the truth. The truth. He said, My word is truth, and the truth shall set you free. John 8, chapter 32. The truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You think life is important? Do you think that you have power over life? Or death? One of the most disturbing things that I ever see is when they're trying to revive someone from death. When they try to resuscitate someone from death. They're working on them. Let me tell you, that person laying there has no power over death or life. 
But Jesus does. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He says, this is eternal life that they know You, the one and true living God, in John chapter 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God now. Eternal life begins today by understanding that Jesus is life and the light of men was in Him, it says in John chapter 1. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him, through His teachings, through His church, through His authority, through His power. It is exclusive in nature because the truth is exclusive in nature. Jesus is that way. He is the truth. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Why Jesus? Why Jesus and not someone else? Why Jesus and not Buddha? Why Jesus and not Mohammed? Why Jesus and not some teacher down the road? Jesus is very different from all those men. Jesus is your creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Jesus is a part of the creative force. He is the one who created you. That makes Him different than everyone else. He is also your Redeemer. Do any of these other people that teach and philosophize and think as great of thinkers as they are, do they love you? Isn't that an interesting question? I don't know of anyone who goes walking around saying Buddha loves me. Do you? I don't know of anyone else that goes around saying Mohammed loves me. I don't know anybody saying that. But I do know there's little kids that'll sit in this pew and sing Jesus loves me. Why? Because he's the one who died for your sins. He's the one who stood in your place. As far as I can see, no one else has ever done that for me or for you. And not only is Jesus our Creator, our Redeemer, but He's going to be our Judge. By His words, we will be judged. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That means I need to take a hard listen to what He says and what He does. I need to take seriously what Jesus says. And Jesus says that it begins in faith. That I have to believe that He is who He says He is. That I have to repent of those sins that hurt me and destroy me. Don't believe in sin? Turn on the TV. Read the newspaper. Sin is everywhere. It's ubiquitous, isn't it? 
Repent of sin. Confess Jesus for who he is and be baptized. Why? Because he said to be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And I begin that walk of ordering my life according to his word, according to his way. His way. And sometimes my life looks like his way. And sometimes, guess what? My intuition and where I want to go looks very differently than His way. But I need to acquiesce and submit myself to His way because He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no life in me apart from Him. There is no truth in me apart from Him. There is no way apart from Him in me. There's no way. Only His way. Have you obeyed the Gospel? We want to give you that opportunity today to put Christ on. If you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need this morning, whether it be of spiritual healing or of prayer, we want to give you this opportunity as together we stand and as we sing.